Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is still to come. Our text for our sermon is Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 through 25. Watch this. I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. They will not come to mind. Instead, rejoice and celebrate forever because of what I am creating. Watch this. I'm about to create Jerusalem to be a source of gladness, and her people will be a source of joy. I also will be glad because of Jerusalem, and I will rejoice over my people. The sound of weeping will not be heard in her again, nor will the sound of crying. There will never again be an infant there who lives for only a few days, or an elderly man who does not fill out all his days. For one who dies at a hundred will be considered a young man, and one who fails to attain the age of one hundred will be regarded as cursed. Then they will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build a house and have another person live in it. They will not plant and have another person eat the crop. For the days of my people will be like the days of a tree, and my chosen one will enjoy all the work of their hands. They will not labor only to receive nothing, and they will not give birth to children doomed to disaster. For they will be offspring who are blessed by the Lord, and their descendants will be with them. Then even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and lions will eat straw like cattle, but the serpent will eat dust as its food. They will not harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Especially as I weekly drive to Buffalo to attend to our brothers and sisters in Christ there, when you look at the Bighorn Mountain Range, when you're coming from a distance, it looks like one big mountain. As you get closer, especially as you drive into it, it becomes pretty clear what looks like one big mountain is actually several mountains all forming that mountain range. Well, that's what it was like for Old Testament prophets when they saw things like the birth of our Savior, uh, his resurrection, and the end of times. Although they're totally different events, they often from that distance seem like one mountain range, like one thing. And so as we are in the second to the last Sunday of the church year, and the theme is saints triumphant, which if you're a believer, you're a saint uh, by the biblical definition. That means that we will be handed Christ's victory on the last day when he returns to judge because we'll be declared righteous. And so as we look at that and recognize Isaiah's prophesying nearly 700 years before the birth of Christ, and now that's 2,700 years ago, we will discuss the theme, see the victory that the Lord has given to you. And in that victory, we see in each one of these events, there's something you already have, but then there's something you will have after Judgment Day, the complete fulfillment. I am going to preach on my translation of the Hebrew just to bring a few things out. So starting at verse 17, we're told, For pay very close attention. I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth, and the first things will no longer be remembered, and they will not come to mind. Now, here God is telling us what's going to happen after he separates the believers from the unbelievers. Uh, his children, the believers, they will be given glorified bodies and then a new heavens and a new earth. Now, when the scripture talks about heavens, especially in the Old Testament, it uses it in the plural because they would consider what you and I call the sky, where the clouds are, heaven. And they would consider where the stars are, what you and I call space, they would consider that heaven. And then they would consider the throne of God, where he rules over all creation as heaven because he's ruling over creation. 
But when we read, for example, in Revelation chapter 21 and other places of the Bible, it becomes very clear that Christ's ruling activity, his throne will be right there with the people. So the throne of God will be with all the believers forever. So the new heavens and the new earth, yes, because the sky and the space are part of creation, that'll be new, but the throne of God will be there part of the new earth. So it's a new heaven, God's ruling activity with earth. And that's a wonderful joy for you and I because the world was subjected to decay. So there's not going to be the disease and stuff. We're going to get into that here in a minute. But do you realize that while you cannot walk to the new heavens and the new earth, it's already yours? See, God became a man. He lived in your place. He took the punishment for your and my sins in our place. He sent the Holy Spirit into your heart who created a new person in you. And that new person is engrafted to Christ. So in your case... The new heavens and the new earth are not a, an if, they are a when. They're yours. The only way they can cease to be yours is if you were to reject the whole thing. So when you have a hope now, but it's not a hope like, I hope I win the lottery, realizing I'm never going to win the lottery. It is a confident expectation. It's a matter of you know, it's just a matter of waiting. At God's designated time, you are either going to uh, die, in which case he separates your soul from the body and keeps you in heaven, uh, your soul safe. Or when he returns, if you're the last generation, you and I are, then immediately you get the new heavens and the new earth. But they're already yours. It's like you own the property deed. You're just on a, on a journey in a different country for the time being. So see the victory that the Lord has given to you. The new heavens and the new earth are already yours. You're just waiting for the time when they are concretely before you. And then in verse 18, he says... But rejoice and express joy forever in what I'm creating, for pay very close attention. I'm creating Jerusalem as an expression of joy and her people as rejoicing. And I will express joy in Jerusalem and I will rejoice in my people. Neither a weeping voice nor a crying voice will ever be heard again. Jerusalem was constantly a disappointment for God as the people turned away from the Lord. And ultimately, God would even allow it to be destroyed by the Babylonians. But Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel that was supposed to be full of those who trusted in the Lord. And so Old Testament prophecy, and in fact even, for example, like Revelation, New Testament prophecy, uses what could be visualized, the capital city of Jerusalem, something concrete to describe the abstract concept of the invisible church. We can't see it because it's made up of all believers. We can't see the Holy Spirit ruling in your heart in that new person Although the good works you do, we call those fruits of faith, show that he's there. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, what God is saying here is, as Christ removes the sin of everyone on the cross, of everyone who believes in him, he dies for the world, but by faith that becomes ours. When you have that faith, you're a member of the true invisible church. That is clean. There is no sin in it. God rejoices in that. And he goes from the city itself. He says, I'll create it as an expression of joy. What better expression of joy can there be than salvation? And then he focuses on the individuals, you and I, and her people, a rejoicing. Now, some people, they want to read into Scripture a city uh, that will be rebuilt, literally Jerusalem, filled with believers in a thousand years of Christ reigning. And that's for a whole Bible study. But we want to understand here that Jerusalem is the invisible church of all believers. He's, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. He's creating it as an expression of joy. 
Well, a physical city would then not, it would be a physical city, not an expression of joy. But the expression of joy is when you get to tell others their sins are forgiven in Christ. The expression of joy comes when brothers and sisters in Christ tell you your sins are forgiven and you are saved. And you are a rejoicing because you get to use what Christ calls the binding and loosing key. You get to remove people's sins. God uses you to share the good news of his kingdom, of his rule in your heart. As he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And there clearly is an expression of joy. And so we got to understand that right now you're a member of that invisible church. You already have this. You already have the invisible Jerusalem. But when Christ returns and creates the heavens and earth anew, all the believers will be separated forever. And it's just going to be the invisible church, which will be made visible and glorious. And so we see the victory that the Lord has given to you, a new heavens and a new earth. And the true church is full of joy and gladness. You will have no sorrow. There will be no sin when Christ returns. But in the meantime, your new person, it doesn't have sin. You have a sinful nature. But your new person doesn't sin. It is pure and made holy by the blood of Christ. And so there is joy for you and gladness. And there is full joy and gladness in the invisible church right now. Moving on to verse 20, we're told there will no longer be there a nursing baby of only a few days, nor an old man who does not complete his days. For a young man dying at the age of 100 years old and the sinner at the age of 100 years old will be regarded as cursed. Now, we got to be very careful here. Isaiah is prophesying, and again, he's trying to use imagery. How do you describe what it's like to be eternal when you and I are mortal? We have a beginning when we were born, and we have an end the day we die. Isaiah isn't saying there will be people that die and then will be considered cursed. Isaiah is trying to describe what eternity is like. See, Christ on the cross defeated death when he rose victorious. And when Christ returns on Judgment Day and gives us the new heavens and the new earth, if you had died before then, he's going to give you a glorified body. He's going to raise up your body and glorify it. And if you were part of the generation that were alive when he came, which I'm hoping for you and I, then he's just going to simply glorify our body. But he's going to remove death forever. Death is a consequence of sin, but he will have completely removed sin. And so death is swallowed up in victory. Now, you already have this victory You may physically die, your body may die, but remember, the Holy Spirit gave birth to a new person in you that is engrafted to Christ. Christ is eternal. Your new person is eternal. So if you were to die tomorrow, God would separate your soul from your body, but your soul would go to be before his throne until Christ returns. So you are already eternally alive in Christ. This is a wonderful gift that is only given to believers. Now, in verse 21, he explains another beautiful picture. It says, And they will build houses, and then they will live in them. And so they will plant vineyards, and then they will eat of their fruit. They will not build, then another inhabit. They will not plant, then another eat it. Because as the days of the tree, so will be the days of my people. And so my elect will get to wear out the works of their hands. They'll get to make full use of it. They will not toil in vain nor bear children for sudden terror. That would be death. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their children with them. Most of human history is wars. And it's sad to say, but especially when you look at antiquity, they used to plant guards over the city at night to warn in case somebody came. 
people would come right before the harvest was due and they would attack the city or right after the harvest had happened, they would attack the city and they would haul off all the extra food and the people who survived, they would be left to starve. Imagine building a house and somebody else kills you and then they move into your house. Human beings are awful. In fact, even in World War II it happened, it's happened in in antiquity where cruel men, when they're under the concept of war, they don't have a check, if you will, on their sinful nature, would do things like throw babies in the air and run them through with a sword. Awful to think about. But what God here is saying is, When you get the new heavens and the new earth, there won't be war. People aren't going to take that away from you. You won't have to worry about getting sick and not being able to harvest your crops. And maybe you and I don't worry so much about that. Well, maybe we should. I don't want to get into the politics of the war in Ukraine. But I have to admit to you, as winter has settled in, I've prayed for them because the people who invaded them, they leveled a lot of their cities. Wintertime is a miserable time. And let's admit it, their men were fighting. They didn't have a chance to plant. So we still have wars today. And for you and I who live in a country that has not been invaded in a long time, since like 1814, there's still, well, we do have Pearl Harbor as well, but we still have things that we labor for and they seem to be in vain. We work hard to put roofs over our head. And if you live in Wyoming like I do, you can watch a hundred mile an hour wind hit your house and just rip all the shingles off and rip that roof off. Oh, all that work for nothing. And we're blessed to have the automobile. And because of that automobile, we're actually able to get better jobs. But the automobile that takes us to work wears out. They seem to have that inconvenience of breaking down suddenly at at the least convenient time. And usually that's when all your mechanics in town are all booked up for three weeks. It seems like we just toil away to try to put the main staples around us and That stuff that we toil away or even helps us do that toil, it wears out. God subjected this world to decay when Adam and Eve fell into sin so that we don't get attached to it. And he told Adam by with blisters, by uh, there would be thorns and thistles that he would now get produce from the earth. But when Christ returns and he makes the heavens and earth anew, our labor will be even better than our hobbies because we're not going to be toiling away to have to worry about an enemy coming and taking it. In fact... There's a promise here too. That means that the gates of heaven, the the devil and those unbelievers who end up in hell, they're not going to overcome those a thousand years into all eternity and and overtake heaven. It's just not going to happen. But there's a way in which we do not labor in vain already in the invisible church. Have you ever witnessed to someone, wanted to see them in heaven, and it seemed like they just never got it? And then maybe you moved or something like that. See, even through the prophet Isaiah, God promises that his word does not return empty handed. I have to admit to you, I have come across friends that I worked on when I was a teenager. And and now, so many years later, I've come across them and lo and behold, they're a believer. Seems that God used me to plant or maybe God was using me to water. But he sent others to come along and water as well. Sometimes we can get frustrated because God doesn't work as quickly as we want him to. But how often is it that we work on someone and maybe it's not the next day, but days, weeks, months, sometimes years later. That word just continues to chip away at their sin and shrouded heart 
implants new life. See the victory that the Lord has given to you. You have a new heavens and a new earth. You'll be given them, but they're already yours. The true church is full of joy and gladness now, and there will be nothing but joy and gladness when Christ returns and remakes the heavens and the earth. Death is swallowed up in Christ's victory. You're eternally alive now, and you will never have to suffer death or see someone physically die when Christ returns. And your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He's blessing what you have now. You have the joy of seeing friends come into his kingdom. And in the long run, when Christ destroys death and destroys our enemies, we'll never have to toil as if it's sweatful and painful again. Verse 24 is one that we can really see we immediately have. That one says, and so it will come to pass that before they will have called, I will have answered. While they are still speaking, I will have heard. This really is talking about prayer, isn't it? When you have a problem, when you have a concern, when life is beating you down, you take it to the Lord in prayer, right? Of course, we also pray to give thanks and praise the Lord, but here's a promise. First of all, with the new heavens and the new earth, all those things that you often take, the problems that you take to the Lord in prayer, you're not even gonna have to take those to the Lord in prayer. They're gonna be gone because it's gonna be paradise. We can't even understand that or describe that. But, You have this now. Allow me to explain. If you ever listen to, for example, some of the country music and stuff like that about the guy, he always stayed away from the Lord, but then he robbed the bank and and the outlaw and and the sheriff gets him trapped in in a box canyon or or in a corner of the bank and and he says the criminal's prayer, Lord, I don't owe you nothing. You don't owe nothing by me, but you get me out of this one, I'll give half of this stolen money to the orphanage. God is all knowing. He hears prayers like that. That would be the prayer of an unbeliever. God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers with a father's love. The barrier of your and my sin made us God's enemies. But Christ's death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit giving birth to that new person that is connected to Christ and hence you believe in God, that has made you God's child. When you pray, yes, God is aware of anybody talking to him because he's all knowing. But when you pray, you are praying to your heavenly Father, who knows you as his child. Now, here's the amazing thing. God, over 11,000 years ago, planned your salvation, planned for you to be brought, planned for somebody to share the word so that you would have that faith. But if he doesn't return before then, the problems you're going to have 10 years from now that you're going to be taking to the Lord in prayer, 11,000 years ago when he planned your salvation, he already worked in the answer. So why do we bother praying if God's already done that? When I served in South Dakota, the next town over, Gregory, had a runnings. I often had to go there because I had members there, shut-ins. There was a hospital there. And I often stopped at the runnings for gas, and I'd have to go inside to pay. And they, there was a display where you could buy little little tractors and you could buy cows. I would buy those for my kids and come home and tell them, guess which hand it's in. Now, if they misguessed, I had bought the prize for them, the, the, the toy for them, because I love them. I'm their father. So even if they misguessed, they were going to end up getting it, right? Well, God loves to hear from you. It amazes me how often hardships in life and things like that, God may have even allowed them simply so that he would remind me, Fred, you're you're not praying to me. And as soon as I take it to the Lord in prayer, boom, he answers it. Sometimes his answer is also, wait, I got something better in mind. But the point here is, we're really, the things we discuss with the Lord in paradise, they're not going to be, Lord, I have this problem, because we're not going to have problems. Those will have been removed. And before then, because you're already his child, 
Before you pray to the Lord, he's already answered. We pray to him simply because he wants us to. Verse 25 wraps up this prophecy. It says, the wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. And especially the serpent's food will be dust. They will neither hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. The Lord has spoken. Here, Lord says, I promise this to you. Let me emphasize that. Before Adam and Eve fell into sin, they didn't have to worry about animals being predators. They didn't have to worry about wolves coming in and killing their kids. These things all happened because of the fall into sin. There will be no predators when Christ creates the new heaven and the new earth. Venomous snakes, not going to be a problem. And in fact, when it says, they will neither hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, God often pictures like Mount Zion where he had promised to dwell in the temple. He uses those as pictures of his ruling activity. In the new heavens and the new earth, you and I will be on his holy mountain. As I already said, Revelation 21 makes it clear that his throne will be among us. And so in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be peace and safety. And as I've already said, we won't have to worry a thousand years into eternity having the gates of hell suddenly storm the gates of heaven. God will have made sure that that is never a threat. How wonderful it will be to have that peace and safety. But you have it now. Christians who were tortured to death, for example, by the Romans or stoned to death by the Sanhedrin in the early days of the Christian church in its earliest infant years, they had peace and safety when they died because they can hurt your body. And sadly, people will torture you for your because of your faith, but they can't take your soul away. There's a wonderful comfort when we look, for example, at the book of Job, where the devil says, oh, Lord, he's spoiled. You give him everything. If you take that away, Job will curse you and die. And God says, no, he won't have at it. But you can't take his life. Devil took everything. But the devil didn't understand what faith was. Faith is that Holy Spirit having given birth to that new person. God was not going to let that new person do that. Job gets frustrated says, I just want to know why. God's answer is you can't handle the why. But God kept Job safe. When the Christians were hauled uh, before the Romans for their entertainment and they let lions and stuff loose on them, even the Romans turned around and said, wow, these Christians die such peaceful deaths. Why? They can hurt your body, but they can't take your soul away from you. That is property of God's. And so if suddenly somebody were to storm into the doors of my church at the government and they were, to, they were to torture us all and kill us all, we'd still have peace and safety because our souls would be going before God. In the meantime, he's ruling over creation to bring you into and keep you in your faith. And so no harm can come upon you unless God allows it. And if God's allowing it, he has a plan for it. And in all eternity, when we have the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no enemies. And so we will have peace and safety. Dear brother or sister in Christ, see the victory the Lord has given to you. You'll have the new heavens and the new earth because you'll be there. But in the meantime, you already own them. You're God's child. The true church is full of joy and gladness. There will be no sorrow or misery uh, when Christ gives the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime, as the invisible church is not made visible yet, there's still joy and gladness and knowing our sins are forgiven. God is ruling for us. We are God's children and it's all going to work out for us. Death is swallowed up in victory, in Christ's victory. There will be no death when Christ returns. In the meantime, we might physically die, but our soul is alive. Your labor is not in vain. 
As you go out and share the good news of salvation with others, God is making sure that his word is at work and it's at work through you. And when we have the new heavens and the new earth, we won't have enemies to take our labor away. Things won't wear out because it'll be paradise. Before you pray now, the Lord already 11,000 years ago or more has already planned out the answer. And so you take it to him in prayer because it's your privilege as his child. And when we have the new heavens and the new earth, The things that we normally pray for in this life, we're not going to need to because those problems will be gone and we'll have direct contact with the Lord. There will be peace and safety in the new heavens and the new earth, but you are at peace now and in the safety of being his child. Praise be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the Lord continue to direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's patient endurance. Amen.